Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. And I'm looking at you, Trudeau. Uh, you are fitting the caveat category today. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. With you as always, I am indeed your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, and I'm coming to you from Roan County, Tennessee, where it is both beautiful and historic. All right, got a lot of stuff to get through today, including I had a sit-down conversation with Mr. Doug Giles uh, just the other night, and going to play for you that conversation, uh, as well as a few items of note. Yes, that's right, we do have some stories to get to. Now, I had initially planned on basically starting out this first hour playing the uh, conversation with Doug as we were uh, going over the latest book of his, uh, Psalms of War, Prayers That Literally Kick Ass. Uh, however, I think I'm going to slide that uh, possibly 
I'm going to still shoot for maybe the second half of this first hour. Uh, and if need be, if I end up running a little long like I sometimes do, I may flip back around. Because, you see, I planned on talking about a couple of quick hit stories like the University of Nebraska deciding to censor its mascot's okay sign over concerns of association with white supremacy. And so I'll mention that because it's utterly ridiculous, part of the culture war, certainly worth talking a little bit about because, again, utterly ridiculous and part of the culture war. I'd also plan on spending a little bit of time on another quick hitter talking about how the former FDA head was making the statement that immunity from Omicron is likely to be very protective against the new variant. And it doesn't appear to be more virulent. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, English meaning uh, it doesn't spread any faster than Omicron. Now, here's the thing. That is the former head of the FDA actually just saying things that we already knew. I really didn't plan on spending any time at all talking about Mitt Mittler and her ongoing feud with West Virginia, although the West Virginia governor did uh, make a nice little hit at her, and uh, she's responded. But as things continue to move forward, two issues have drawn my attention. There's breaking news uh, over with the ongoing Joe Rogan slash Spotify uh, story. Uh, Spotify's decided to take some new action, and I want to talk about that. But another story that I've kind of left out because it's been ongoing and I haven't really gotten to is the story of the Freedom Truck Drivers. Um, the, these are the folks that are running what has officially become the world's longest and largest convoy of truckers uh, that have driven right into the uh, capital area in Canada. They're trying to, uh, trying to make a point in regards to the ongoing edicts from on high. Basically, these guys are standing up uh, much the way I wish uh, more and more Americans would stand up and make it clear that the government not only has no authority to issue these mandates, but the people are simply not going to tolerate it. So, we have... Two headlines involving that. Number one, headline, Ottawa Police devoting significant resources to clearing out protesters on the second day of Freedom Convoy demonstrations. And uh, the bigger one, Tyrant on the Run. Internet blasting Trudeau for fleeing the capital as the Freedom Convoy protest heads his way. Let's start with that story, shall we? So, as we know, the mostly spineless and certainly feckless Canadian Prime Minister, Mr. Justin Trudeau. He took some heat online this weekend after the... <laughs> they called him a leader. How about the guy who's supposed to be a leader? After Trudeau reportedly fled Canada's capital for a secret location. You know, that way he could avert any confrontation with the numerous truckers in a freedom convoy that's protesting the nation's vaccine mandates. Trudeau, who just days ago dismissed the protesting truckers and their supporters as a small fringe minority, was ripped online as a coward and fleeing tyrant over his escape from Ottawa. Gotta tell you, I don't think those criticisms are unfounded. It seems to me that he realized these folks were coming to run him out of town on a rail, literally. Not just figuratively, like we think of in the United States these days. I have often lamented the days when it was a literal thing that happened here. 
he was afraid what these people were going to come and say, what they were going to come and do, and rightfully so. And then to just run away like that? Oh, come on. Uh, a tyrant on the run uh, is probably a bit nicer than they should be. And calling him a coward, while technically correct, is still probably far more generous than the description that should be given. Now, the Canadian Prime Minister, according to reports, left the location over <clears throat> safety concerns, uh, though the protesting actually has been peaceful. Not at all like our summer of love, George Floyd, Antifa, Black Lives Matters Incorporated peaceful protest here, but legitimately peaceful protest. But it was because of safety. We're scared. Now, popular Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson uh, made the statement, quote, come out of hiding, puppet, and face the music. In another post, Peterson added that the Canadian leader was literally in hiding. So I love the fact that Jordan Peterson's coming out and being very, very mm, aggressive. Uh, Ezra Levant of Rebel News also uh, said, uh, quote, never seen anything like it. No wonder the coward fled in talking about the uh, convoy. Uh, lots of other reactions, uh, folks that you may or may not know. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's utterly ridiculous that this happened. So the tyrant is on the run. And he is in hiding. But uh, even going into hiding... We still have the ongoing actions of the Ottawa police. Now, the police there are focusing on moving protesters out of the city's downtown area a day after thousands, not, not, not tens, not dozens, not hundreds, but thousands of truckers and then tens of thousands of demonstrators marched through the city, demanding an end, an end to the vaccine mandates. The Freedom Convoy made up of hundreds of vehicles and reportedly 45 miles long at one point rolled into Ottawa on Saturday as truck drivers in Canada protested the country's vaccine mandate. The protest has now entered its second day in Canada's capital and many of the protesters continuing to demonstrate against vaccine mandates and, of course, Justin Trudeau. The Ottawa police now announced uh, as of Sunday that its focus would now shift to pushing protesters out of the downtown area as the city attempts to return to normal after the influx of people. Quoting here, This afternoon, a large presence of police continues throughout the downtown core and the movement and trucks continues to be managed. Okay, so that's part of the police statement. It continued to say some other things. But at the end of the day, back on Friday, you know, the day before the rally reached Ottawa, Trudeau basically just came out and said, ah, this Freedom Convoy, ah, it's just a fringe minority. It doesn't represent the view of Canadians. Uh, wrong, pal. This is the problem of what happens when you live in a bubble. And unfortunately for Justin Trudeau and most globalist leftists, they live in a bubble. That's where they're at. It is 
utterly ridiculous to think for a second that this guy is a leader on the world stage. He is the Prime Minister of Canada, but come on, guys. Seriously. All the Canadians I know, they know better than this. I was on with Ron Edwards earlier today on the Ron Edwards American Experience. This is the norm now. I appear on his broadcast pretty much every Sunday. Those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, by the way, this, this is emanating on Sunday. It is January 30th of 2022. I was on with Ron earlier, and you know, we were talking about... Uh, we were talking about how there's just not enough Americans who truly understand and then therefore take for granted the blessings that liberty possesses. And, and here we are having to watch the Canadian truckers doing what every American citizen should be doing here as well. It is past time to push back against these mandates. It's like whether you like the jab or dislike the jab, whether you're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, whether you recognize this injectable therapeutic as being a vaccine, none of that matters. The issue here is the federal government, not here and not in any other free nation, the nationalized government within any free nation has no authority to force its citizens to undergo a medical condition of any kind. None. Period. That's it. So, Justin, <laughs> just keep on hiding, scaredy cat. Keep on hiding. All right, now about the Spotify thing. We saw a, a couple of more artists join Neil Young. And we've seen, uh, as we discussed uh, last time, we've seen the so-called Surgeon General of the United States come out and demand that social media platforms further censor Joe Rogan over his, quote, misinformation about COVID. And when a few more artists came out, it would have been different if these were still hugely successful in their prime artists. Uh, then I could see maybe a rationale for the folks over at Spotify to say, well, maybe we ought to make some changes. Maybe you ought to take a look at, because at some point you think the financials are going to hurt them, right? Except Joe Rogan's podcast still brings more listeners to the Spotify platform than the artists who have demanded their music be removed put together by a lot. So right now, fundamentally, there is still something at issue. But because of the criticism and because of, well, you know, cancel culture, Spotify has now taken some new action. They've issued a new response. And I, I need to talk about it here in this first hour because, well, because of what it is. So let's, let's take a look at it first. Spotify announced on Sunday, that's today, time of the live broadcast, that it's publishing its content policy, and that it will create a coronavirus information hub, which, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, came in response to the backlash that the company has faced from leftist, over-the-top podcast host Joe Rogan. Now, the announcement 
from Spotify CEO came after Neil Young complained about claims that Rogan had made on the Joe Rogan experience about the pandemic and he had his music removed from the platform. A couple of other musicians also had their music pulled down over the issue. Uh, quoting here, We have had rules in place for many years, but admittedly, we haven't been transparent around the policies that guide our content more broadly. This, in turn, led to questions around their application to serious issues, including COVID-19. Again, this is from the CEO of Spotify. Uh, continuing, based on the feedback over the last several weeks, it's become clear to me that we have an obligation to do more, to provide balance and access to widely accepted information from the medical and scientific communities guiding us through this unprecedented time. These issues are incredibly complex. Now, I'm going to have to stop right there for a second. Number one, if you want to put little notifications up like uh, this this podcast contains non-popular whatever, blah, blah, blah. This podcast contains information about COVID-19. Uh, we highly recommend you seek professional medical advice from your physician. Now, it's something like that. I'm cool with that. Go ahead. That doesn't hurt anybody. And it doesn't take a side, which is exactly where you should be, Spotify. Again, you are a platform, remember? But I'm also going to have to stop you right there when you say that you want to provide balance and access to widely accepted information. Well, when we go and look at what qualifies as widely accepted, widely accepted information, well, you get that everywhere. That's all you're allowed to ingest on social media, right? If it's not widely accepted as defined by the Biden administration and the global networks, then uh, guess what? That's when you start getting blackballed. That's when you start having the attempts to counsel you come forward. So even making that statement is an acknowledgement that you're afraid of the left, which is the wrong statement to make because once you give them an inch, they're coming for the rest of you. They will not settle for a mile. They will not settle for two miles. They will not settle for the whole thing because they will take what you've got now and anything they think you may have in the future, and then they're going to go target somebody else. They're never satisfied. Ever. So by doing this, you're practically admitting that you haven't done a good enough job of being balanced and protecting the public. It's not your job to protect the public, Spotify. doesn't matter how whiny left-wing people may go on and on about it. It's not your job to protect the public Facebook. It's not your job to protect the public Twitter. It's not your job to protect the public uh, Instagram or uh, even, I don't know, let's say TikTok. Not that we're worried about TikTok doing that stuff. A little Chinese company trying to just uh, surveil the Americans. Uh, they're doing a great job. Hmm. To say that these issues are incredibly complex, I, I, I will do you a favor here, brother. Let me help you out. It's actually pretty simple. There's some information the general public doesn't want to hear. Okay? 
There's some information the general public doesn't want to hear. What information is that? Anything that they get all upset about. Bottom line is there's certain information that the leftists do not want to hear shared. They do not want you to have the notion or the idea, the precept, the concept that possibly that there is another option, another alternative to what they want you to do. I personally think that a scientist that created the RNA technology that these uh, therapeutics, the injectable therapeutics that they now want to call vaccines, I think the guy who created that technology is a viable voice in the discussion and should be heard from, no matter how much he disagrees with the current conventional thinking. Doesn't make him right, doesn't make him wrong, doesn't mean that there's a problem with Joe Rogan or any other host letting him come onto their show and discuss the issue. There was a time when people in this country and all other freedom-loving countries understood that information should be made available to everyone. They should be allowed to ingested, and they should be allowed to make decisions for themselves. It's not your job, big brother. It's not your job, big tech, to spoon-feed us so that, oh, us poor, stupid little people out here who can't possibly understand anything. It's not your job to explain it to us. It's not your job to decide for us. It's our job to learn what we need to learn, to know what we need to know. Your job is to help make sure that all the information is available to us so that we can, and then we get to make the decision. We get to make our choices. That's your role. I mean, you just don't like it, do you? Because we keep finding out where you're not necessarily being 100% honest to it. So here's the deal. Here's the new actions that Spotify will be taking. Uh, as of today, Sunday, January 30th, and moving forward... Today, according now from their actions, today we are publishing our long-standing platform rules. These policies were developed by our internal team in concert with a number of outside experts and are updated regularly to reflect the changing safety landscape. These are rules of the road to guide all of our creators from those we work with exclusively to those whose work is shared across multiple platforms. That would be people like me. You can now find them on our newsroom, and they'll live permanently on the main Spotify website. They're being localized into various languages to help our users understand how Spotify assesses all content on our platform. The next thing we're doing, we're working to add a content advisory to any podcast episode that includes a discussion about COVID-19. This advisory will direct listeners to our dedicated COVID-19 hub, a resource that provides easy access to data-driven facts, up-to-date information as shared by scientists, physicians, academics, and public health authorities around the world, as well as links to <clears throat> trusted sources. This, of course, is a new effort to combat misinformation, and it will roll out to countries around the world in the coming days. To our knowledge, 
This content advisory is the first of its kind by a major podcast platform. And yes, for podcasts, probably so. But it sounds an awful lot like what Facebook is already doing. Uh, they also said here that, quote, we will also begin testing ways to highlight our platform rules in our creators and publishers tools to raise awareness around what's acceptable and to help creators understand their accountability for the content they post on our platform. This is in addition to the terms that the creators and publishers agree to governing their use of service. Translation, Spotify has given in to the leftist crowd. They're trying to find a way to completely uh, take a knee here. They're, they're, they're trying to bend the knee without having to give up Joe Rogan. Spotify, you can't take a stand while you're taking a knee. It doesn't work that way. If you bend the knee to the left, they're going to keep coming from you. They're going to keep coming for you. They're going to keep coming for you. And eventually, you're going to have no choice. And unfortunately, what you did initially was perfect. It sends the exact message. Neil Young shows up, knocking at your door, says, Hey, I don't want you to play my music anymore as long as you still have Joe Rogan on your platform. That's an ultimatum to you, telling you how you should conduct your business and what you should do is say, Okay, here you go. Sorry you feel that way, Neil. Let us know if you change your mind. Then anybody else comes up behind him and says the same thing. The response should be the same. The response should continue to be the same because it doesn't matter if every single musical artist on the planet backs away. They're still not equaling the number of listens Joe Rogan brings to your platform. You have swiftly become the top tier podcast platform because you have exclusives like the Joe Rogan experience. They're bringing listeners to you. And unless you can conclusively prove that any statement made on the Joe Rogan podcast is unequivocally false, you got no business trying to censor it in any way. Now, you want to put a little label on it and say, this podcast contains discussion about COVID-19? Fine. Go ahead. It's your platform. You can do that if you want. I think, personally, that that's ridiculous, too. Personally, you, you think that there's information that's out there that's not accurate? Then what you need is more speech. And here's the thing about Joe Rogan. Before they targeted him for his own experience and sharing his own experience, which, by the way, for, for those of you uh, folks that lean to the left slightly that might be kind of woke, remember when you talk about your truth? That was his truth. It's ever been as valid as any truth that you have. Okay? When we're talking about that personal truth, that was his lived experience. Okay? Now, I'm not big on you having your own truth when there's also the objective truth that should overrule any subjective truth, but uh, it's just your language, your ideas, your thoughts. That's the way you think about the world, right? That was his truth. So it's not misinformation, period. It's what actually happened to him. They started targeting him then, and then here's the other thing. They didn't like some of the guests he had on. So what? Joe Rogan is one of the few people that's had guests of every type come on his show. 
The reason Joe Rogan is literally the godfather, the grandfather, the god of podcasts is because he's the first one out the gate to manage to get together the wildly eclectic collection of guests. He's literally brought everybody who's willing to come on his show that he thinks he can have an interesting conversation with. And he has treated every guest the same. If he thinks you said something dumb, he'll challenge you. If he thinks you said something new that changed his mind, he's acknowledged it. If he thinks that it's a conversation worth having, worth other people hearing, then that's the format. That should be allowed to continue. Let's take that mid-hour break, and then on the other side, let's, let's play for you that interview with Doug Giles. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. Thank you. Thank you, George. Will you ever run for political office again? No. The lying dog-faced pony soldier. Who, 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 who takes what when? cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. I'm not sure there was a medical school or where the hell I spoke. It was on a campus. I keep forgetting I'm president. When it comes to American history, it must be taught to students in a truthful manner. It should also be about the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Republicans are constantly portrayed as racists. President Trump was labeled racist for simply wanting to protect our borders. But consider the fact that it was the Democrats who murdered President Lincoln for freeing slaves. It was the Democrat who murdered President Kennedy. A Democrat murdered Martin Luther King Jr. Militant Democrats known as the KKK lynched many black Americans. Democrats enforced segregation unless they were raping black females. Mm. Democrats created the Jim Crow and poll taxes. Democrats created internment camps. Democrats created the Confederacy and destroyed good government schools catering to black Americans. And yet, conservative Christians and Republicans are called the racist. Hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. 
All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. But as it turns out, I was already a little further along than I thought. So I don't quite have enough time in this first hour to play the Doug Giles conversation. So I will do that at the top of the second hour. So for those of you that are listening to the podcast, bear with me just a little longer. We will get to that conversation. It's well worth listening to. And... If you're listening on Terrestrial Radio as the show is being rebroadcast, then tune in again tomorrow. Uh, I, I know, I hate doing those tease kind of things, but I don't want to cut that interview short. We had too much of a cut. I didn't edit the first part out of it uh, very much, and it's almost right at 30 minutes, and I had already placed it so that I didn't quite start the break early enough. I had hoped to, to do it. Got a little carried away in that segment. However, I will go ahead and jump into some of the stuff that I was going to talk about in the second hour, and uh, we'll kind of flip back around. Uh, calling audibles here, calling audibles, it's all part of doing a great show, is sometimes you have to be flexible. And you know, one thing that helps you to be more flexible, helps you to get in shape, uh, that's when, if you have a sweet tooth, you're also able to satisfy that sweet tooth without blowing your diet. Uh, a great way to go about that, well, you know, a good protein bar. Or, as I like to say, a candy bar that claims to be a protein bar. I'm talking about Built Bar, of course. Uh, Built Bar, tons of fantastic flavors. They have the favorites, and then they have some rotating limited-time flavors. And they've got them available. They switched them out. They're so very yummy and tasty. I haven't come across one I dislike yet. And the best part is if you can't decide which one's your favorite, or if you're still looking to try them for the first time and can't quite decide which ones to get, they do have the variety packs available too. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go to the show description, for those of you that are listening to the podcast. Copy the entire link that you'll see down there right beside the words Built Bar. Paste that link into your uh, internet browser. And then go visit 
And from there, you can go see everything they've got to offer, including their items other than the Build Bars, because they've got some other great stuff, too. Uh, interesting stuff, and it's all good for you, and I, I don't know how it could be, because these things actually taste good. You know, unlike most things that are good for you, or they tell us they're good for us. Anyway, go visit Built Bar, follow the link, and that way they know I sent you. Now, you've heard me say the rest, so you know that if you do make a purchase there using that link, I'll get a small little percentage, you know, just a, a little something for sending you their way. That's all. Not much, and it doesn't affect the price that you're paying. It really doesn't. And, oh yeah, by the way, if you're listening to Terrestrial Radio, or if you just don't have time right now to copy and paste, but you're thinking later that you do want to go check out Built Bar and want to help out the show in the process as well, well, by all means, uh, visit me over at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth, all one word, dot com. And uh, you can hit the banner for Built Bar there, along with anything else you find interesting that you might want to uh, hit. All right, so uh, let's get to this next story, and I promise you we will lead off right off the bat, second hour of tonight's broadcast, with the Doug Giles conversation. So just stay with me, uh, guys. We will get there. I'm, I'm not going to sell you short on this one, I promise. So, uh, hmm, here's the headline for you. Mm, racist are showing up in droves to school board meetings. This according to a teacher's union president. All right, so here's the deal. Quoting an opinion piece that uh, was published in the Washington Post, uh, one that was penned by former Virginia Secretary of Education, uh, that would be Randy uh, Waygarden, uh, president of the American Federation of Teachers, the second largest teachers union in America, tweeted, quote, Racists are showing up in droves to school board meetings, threatening members and superintendents with recalls and firings and worse. It is dangerous. It is divisive. It is un-American. As Virginians, let us remember our history and not repeat the errors of our past. Now, just to kind of make the point, the actual quote from the opinion piece, it does not state at the beginning, racists are showing up in droves. It says racist parents are showing up in droves. In the opinion piece, uh, it ripped the Virginia GOP governor, Glenn Youngkin, writing that he had openly declared war on Virginia's public education system. It continued saying, quote, With CRT, Youngkin has manufactured a crisis in K-12 education that does not exist. In this fictitious narrative, he is the hero, teachers and school boards are the villains, white children are the victims, and racist parents are his foot soldiers. Youngkin established a tip line to report public school educators teaching divisive concepts in this new Red Scare. The op-ed concluded by saying, quote, I am most concerned that Youngkin's administration is stoking the fires of racial discontent, eerily reminiscent of the 1950s, and waging war on sacred ground 
the public school classroom. Racist parents are showing up in droves to the school board meetings, threatening members and superintendents with recalls, firings, and worse. It's dangerous. It's divisive. It is un-American. As Virginians, let us remember our history and not repeat the errors of our past. So, you see, a lot of the piece got quoted directly by Randy. Randy, with an I, she's, a, she's got this crazy, crazy idea. See, she's a leftist. And she believes that what's been going on in Virginia and in other school systems around the country where leftists are in charge is perfectly acceptable. She believes in the idea, the notion that it takes a village. And they're the ones in charge of the village. And all the parents, well, they're just the smelly fisher people of the village. And they just need to go about uh, doing their jobs and then go home and, and just pay their taxes and, and not express their thoughts, their ideas, their concepts. They need to believe the professionals and the education and educational administrative sections of their government. They just need to, to sit there and trust in them that they know what's best. Because after all, they are the smartest people in the room. They are the trained professionals. They have the college degrees. They understand inherently the difference between racial essentialism and CRT. So they can say with a straight face and a clear conscience that, that critical race theory isn't being taught in K-12. through Never mind how much racial essentialism is being. It doesn't matter, you see, because they know what's best. They know that little Susie needs to, to, to know at the earliest age possible that because she was born white, she is already an oppressor. And that the only thing that could possibly cleanse her soul is to be apologetic, to be an ally, to give up every last ounce of white privilege and just hand it over to some other student of color that she's side by side with in her classroom. Never mind the fact that white privilege, based on the definitions I've heard, is something that no matter how little of it you seem to have, you still benefit from it. And no matter how much you'd like to give it away, it simply will never be attainable by those poor, poor students of color. She wanted to leave the word parents off because she is still the president of the second largest teachers union on the planet. She is. And that's an important position when you're representing teachers because the one thing she does understand, the one thing she does recognize is that no matter how else she, she cuts it, no matter how else she spends it, at the end of the day, the paychecks, they all cash, they come from a school system but they're paid for by those smelly fisher people of the village. They're paid for by those parents, whether they're racist or not. Yes, Randy Weingarten. Miss Weingarten, she, she knows, she understands where her bread is buttered at, but she also knows that if she wants to continue to rise to the top in education, she has to be a good little leftist soldier. She probably thinks of herself not as a soldier, but as a lieutenant. Or, by now, perhaps she's earned 
earned a promotion to a higher rank. She sees herself as a leader, perhaps even as high-ranking as a general in the battle against those silly, white-privileged, smelly villagers uh, she calls parents. She wanted to leave the word parents off because she didn't want that indication being connected to what she said. But it's almost as if she never believed for a second that some of us are some of us older dumb hicks out here out here in the flyover country, and especially some of the parents in Virginia will probably never be smart enough to figure out that she was taking this directly from this op-ed, that they'd never see the connection, that they would never know the truth, so that she would take somebody who thinks they're the smartest person in the room and clearly are not and sound like she's the smartest person in the room and clearly is not. And at the end of the day, the only people that truly suffer are the kids, the students. I'm sorry. In your effort to not be racist, you're being racist. Your effort to lower the expectations on students of color is actually diminishing their capability to excel and to shine. For you to do these things the way you are, this goes beyond the soft bigotry of low expectations and moves right into the, we're going to keep you down forever because we're not even going to bother to try to hold you up to a standard where you can excel. I don't understand why people of color aren't outraged by this type of behavior and sentiment to begin with. This is an insult to you. How do you miss that? How do you not get it? How do you not understand that these people simply think you're too dumb to succeed at the same level that white children can? And that's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. I'm sorry, I seem to, to recall not too long ago a former HUD secretary who happened to be of a darker skin tone than I am, who in his previous profession performed neurosurgery on children. He was pretty good at it. He wasn't an affirmative action scholarship. He wasn't an affirmative action hire. He was an individual that took to his education, learned the skills he needed to do, and excelled on his own merit, not because of or despite of his skin color. And he's just one example. Just one that most of you guys should be able to readily recognize. Oh, but you see, then there's this whole cultural issue of, uh, you know, he seemed like he was trying too hard. So, you know, he's just not black enough. Black enough for what? I mean, seriously, who among you really gets to determine what is black enough? I, I, I almost feel embarrassed using that language, using that terminology, because it doesn't feel like something that anybody should be saying or using. It feels rather dismissive. It feels rather disrespectful. Of course, it's intended to be disrespectful, isn't it? When you go around insinuating, or uh, perhaps even now still flat out calling someone an Uncle Tom. You, you don't hear that as much. They've moved on to other terminology. But every now and then you'll still hear it. Oh, you're just an Uncle Tom. I, I just, it, it boggles my mind. 
but here she is, Miss Weingartner. Uh, let me let me inform you of a few simple basic things. Okay, first and foremost, doesn't matter if it's in Virginia or anywhere else in this country. Racial essentialism is being taught in classrooms all across the country. There are teachers that are flat out still referring to it as critical race theory. You would not have teachers standing up in cities like Memphis, just as an example, saying that they don't care what the law says, they're going to teach it anyway. You don't get to be a re rebellion leader when you're fighting for a rebellion that doesn't exist. Children need to be taught actual history. They don't need to be taught this 18, 19 project crap. That's not even the right one, is it? See, that's how, that's how angry, that's how worked up I've got. The 1619 project is crap. Completely made up. There's a, a few little factual bits of information in there, and the rest is a narrative. That's why it was so heavily criticized by historians. Historians that were typically left-leaning uh, who scoffed at the very notion that somebody would write this and that anybody would treat it like it was anything other than fiction. America was not founded on slavery. America was not founded uh, and separated from the United Kingdom uh, in order to protect slavery. Quite the opposite. But some people don't want to hear anything any different. Some people can't be relevant in the modern world without saying and doing things that excite people, that infuriate people, that rile up people, that take advantage of people who simply don't know their history. We've always had a class of race baiters in this country. People who, who's the only path to profitability and import is through race baiting. Little Reverend Al Sharpton, for example. Race baiter of the first kind. Ibram Kendi is a race baiter. Well, the only way to fight racism now is with more racism, just the other way. No. The only way to fight racism is to stop it. End it. Drop it. Let it be over. You can't start to heal from something until you let the wound heal. You keep running over there, ripping the uh, scab off, and then cutting into it again and trying to put a whole bunch of false information on top of it to get folks riled up. That's not going to let the wound heal. Are there dark chapters in the American history? Yes. Sadly, there are far too many. But show me another country that's existed more than 20 years that do not have dark chapters in their history. In fact, I would dare say if you found a country that's only a couple of years old, there's probably something that could be fairly dark. Something that they won't be proud of in another decade. There's no room for healing in this anti-racism theology. There's no room for acceptance in bridging the gap in the racial essentialism that's being taught in these schools. And there's no room for teachers associations that are going around and 
claiming that the parents have no role in educating their children. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the general plea from educators across the country was that the parents get more involved in their children's education, that the parents step up and be parents and not just expect the teachers to be a daycare for them. I remember those pleas. You know why I remember them? Because it was a common practice, and unfortunately it is the same practice that's led us to where we're at today. She's calling the parents showing up at school board meetings racist. Why? Because they don't want their kids growing up to believe either A, they're victims no matter what, or B, they're oppressors no matter what. What should be taught in class is the subject matter. There should be no courses on how mathematics is racist. When you're in a math class, you should be learning math, period. When you're in science class, you don't need to be learning how global warming is affecting people of color disproportionately. You need to be learning science. In fact, there's a lot of kids uh, out there that could stand for a good biology lesson. You know, understanding simple things might help resolve some of that confusion about what bathroom they want to use. Just say it. It's absurd. Absolutely absurd. And yet, here we are. There is zero respect for the average American. In fact, for most people in government positions, even at those lower local positions, there is such a disdain now, an open, easy-to-see disdain to the average person. And again, this is an attack on educators. I know a lot of teachers, and I know a lot of people that uh, are in the education system that don't teach, that want nothing more than to try to do what's best for the students they interact with. And I am ever so grateful for those individuals. I am. But you see, unfortunately, those aren't the people who are getting to call the shots. Okay. The people who are getting to call the shots are people like Miss Weingartner, who, by the way, uh, the night before the Virginia election showed up uh, at the uh, Terry McAuliffe rally, was happy to be there. Terry McAuliffe, who had famously said, and this phrase probably was a big reason why Democrats didn't support him like they thought they would, that he didn't believe that parents had a role in the education of children. How is it that we're at this point? Back in May of 2021, that's this, that was last year, last May, uh, Weingartner said, quote, you have said, okay, this is Martha McCollum talking to Weingartner, you have said that we quoted you on the way to break, that you know that there's, okay, this is, I'm sorry, you have said that we quoted you on the way to break, okay, obviously they took a break, you said that we quoted you on the way to break, that you know that there's this is a factual finding in the uh, 1619 report that was put together in the New York Times that now has been converted to learning materials that are in the classroom and are part of curriculums. Do you believe that the 1619 Project is a factual program? 
Okay, so Wine Gardener's answer there. So, Martha, I believe that I'm a history teacher, and I'm a social studies teacher, and I believe we should teach history. And from everything I can see and understand from the data, I see 1619 was the year that the first slave boat from Africa to the United States arrived. So that's a point in history that I think we should be teaching. So McCall also asks, so I'm asking you, as you say you're a social studies teacher, do you favor teaching students the 1619 Project? And do you think that's more important than 1776? Do you favor that? Weingartner's response, I favor us teaching about 1776, which I have often done. I favor us teaching about 1619. Problem there, not an answer. There's a point here. This chick believes in the 1619 Project. If all you do is look at 1619 and say, well, that's the first year that African slaves arrived in the colonies, and that's the extent to what you're teaching, okay, you're teaching a historical fact. If you then try to teach that the American Revolution was fought to try and protect slavery, to maintain slavery, to keep slaves in the United States, then that's false. It's fake. It's wrong. It's a lie. It's not history. It's not social studies. It's propaganda from the left, and it should not be permitted. All right, that's going to have to be it for the first hour. I want to thank each and every one of you who are here. If I'm saying goodbye to you because you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, remember to tune in again tomorrow to hear hour number two, where we talk with Doug Giles. Uh, if you're here listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. I'll continue right after this brief break. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. Most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, stay healthy, stay safe, and, uh, you know, be smart out there. Even if it goes against your nature. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why 
He was different in her eyes. Saw them years ago. A happy little cabin in the west. They homeschooled on their farm. Making so much more from so much less. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name is Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, sleepy Joe. Now's the time, don't you know, to get into a new kind of dream. You can rest your head on the corner of your bed. You can watch the world go by. But you're never gonna see what the other people see. If you're always going to be a line dog face pony soldier. The USA is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men Self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. All the unions always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Damn you, when. 
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and I'm coming to you from beautiful, historic Roan County, Tennessee, and we are doing this despite the left's best effort to silence us all. So here we go. All right, I want to start out this second hour. Uh, by the way, for those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, when you get the show rebroadcast, you normally get the show in little one-hour segments, but we do two-hour live broadcasts, which means two things. Number one, since I do the show three times a week at the moment, uh, that means there's at least one hour every week that you're not getting if you're just listening on terrestrial radio. So that's one reason to come find and listen to the show uh, outside of just the terrestrial. But you also need to know why uh, maybe things aren't clicking. Maybe I'm referencing something I said earlier, back in the first hour, when you're like, but Tim, the show's just starting. Uh, again, that's because the first hour was most likely aired yesterday, and uh, the second hour is, of course, being uh, aired today. So, just to help you guys out with that, time of the broadcast happens to be January 30th, 2022. It is a Sunday, all right? So you're probably hearing this on Tuesday, I would imagine. I have fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully it's not as far out as Wednesday. But, you know, uh, schedules for the uh, radio stations get kind of wonky. I try to make sure that uh, the point matter stays topical regardless. At any rate, uh, let me go ahead and get into this. Uh, I, have, I have worked on some stuff to try and overcome some of the technical issues to start having guests on. But what I'm having to do is have set down uh, and, and record interviews as opposed to doing the thing live that we used to do. That having been said, I'm trying to get caught up and get some folks back in here. We're working on getting Ron uh, back in on the regular once a week, the way we were doing before. Uh, so we'll probably be having those conversations uh, on upcoming Sundays. Uh, I am scheduled to set down with uh, Ann Ubellis real soon, and so we'll be uh, airing that conversation. But this past Thursday... I had a chance to call and uh, speak with Doug Giles. Now, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you probably remember Doug. In fact, you may even follow Doug, may have known Doug before you heard me. He is, of course, the editor of ClashDaily.com, uh, a website that I am honored and privileged to say that I am a contributor, although it's been quite a while since anything new of mine is when it gotten published over there. But if you look far enough back in the archives, you can find me. Uh, you can do a little search to Tim Tap. You'll, you'll see some stuff pop up. Uh, he is also the co-host of the fantastic podcast Wild Men. I'm sorry. Warriors and Wild Men. I always get to the Wild Men part because that's what I think of when I think of Doug in particular. Now, one of the conversations that you've heard me uh, have with Ron Edwards quite a bit lately and one of the points I've been making quite a bit is where organized religion happens to be. And that's something that Doug has a serious issue with, too. And his latest book, which has been available since October, uh, is something that we hadn't had a chance to get together and talk about. So once I was able to start getting guests back on here again, I was very anxious to reach out and speak to Doug because I wanted to talk about that book. So in the show description, you will find links to... ClashDaily.com. You'll find links to the podcast, Warriors and Wild Men, and you will find a link to his latest book, which is Psalms of War, 
prayers that literally kick ass. So, without any further ado, and it will run just a smidge long because I've been babbling, uh, so we'll have the mid-hour break a little late. This is, in full, my conversation with Doug Giles. Uh, uh, please forgive my uh, inability to start out smoothly. Like I said, I'm getting back into the hang of uh, having these interview sessions. But listen more to the guest. I'll be quiet now, so here's that conversation. Uh, as always, I am honored and humbled to uh, know that you've decided to join me here as I rant, rave, and occasionally just get a few things off my chest. Uh, you are listening to Tap Into the Truth, and it is my distinct honor and pleasure right now to welcome back to the show uh, just a fantastic author. He is the editor of ClashDaily.com. He's the co-host of a fantastic podcast, Warriors and Wild Men. He's a great artist as well, in case you weren't already aware. And his most recent book, it's been available since October of last year, so it's not a new book anymore, but it's still the latest, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again, Doug Giles. Doug, uh, it's been a while since uh, you've been here with me, and uh, I, I haven't had a, a chance to express my appreciation for you and your family and everything you guys do in the uh, in the service of the nation and Christianity, and you just keep getting stronger and stronger. So welcome back to the show, and thank you for being here. Tim, thank you for having me. We're here to help, buddy. All right. I've never doubted that for a second. Uh, you know, you still remain the only guest on the show that I honestly feel like to be properly prepared for our conversation. Beforehand, I need to, to light up a stogie and have some brandy or some bourbon ready to go, and usually it's the bourbon I need. So I, I love everything about the, the attitude you guys prevail, and you're just unapologetically strong. Yeah, and that's a rare thing in our time these days in this country. Well, everything smells, so attitude sells, man. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's let's jump right into the book, and then if we have some time afterwards, I'd like to get some of your thoughts on current events if we get there. But, you know, you've written this fantastic book, which you know I've loved everything uh, you've done to this point. I really have. I especially have this fondness for uh, Grandpa as a patriotic badass. <laughs> I love it. But the latest one of course, is uh, Psalms of War, Prayers That Literally Kick Ass. Now, I kind of promoted this uh, for my audience as a book that was written for these times. And I, I think I have a pretty good idea of to the answer to the question I'm going to ask you first, but I'm afraid I won't give it adequate justice. So I'm going to let you put it in your words. What was it that made you decide that this was the right time for this message? Yeah, so I've I've always uh, uh, preached on the imprecatory psalms, and uh, it's going to be something that eclipses most evangelicals' brains, because we've been told that these psalms that David wrote, that according to Matthew 22, verse 43, were inspired by the Holy Spirit, They've been seen in our O'Carrant, uh, sassy, hipster pastor churches that are hell-bent for political correctness as naughty, naughty, bad, bad prayers. And um, I, I beg to differ. Uh, these psalms, again, according to Jesus and what he said in Matthew 22, verse 43, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
and they're essentially, you know, the Tomahawk missile. They're the 44 Magnum of the prayer gallery that we're supposed to launch when our nation gets jacked up by Marxist thugs or anti-theistic mobs that want to dispense with God and his way. Or when, you know, the church gets, you know, jacked up six ways to Sunday and we start listening to Justin Bieber instead of Jeremiah. Or when your flesh is out of control. These are powerful, powerful prayer weapons that, you know, the church used to pray historically, but nowadays they get glossed over. I mean, the Psalm, the the book of Psalms was the church's hymnal for generations. And now all we hear is just these sweet little lullabies about Jesus being the lover of my soul. And we don't hear any of these grand, epic, full-on, pipe-hitting, nut-cutting psalms of war anymore. So when when Biden got elected, hashtag deep-rigged, all the Christians are biting their fingernails down to the nubs, like, oh, what do we do? Must be the end of the world. Uh, You know, it's all over. This is the end. Antichrist, Satan, big government. It's like, no, dust these things off and start praying them again, start singing them again. And what's wild, Tim, is that is that this book that got released before we were we were even ready for it, it shot to number one in 24 hours, held the number one spot in Middle Eastern literature and meditation for three months. And I'm sad to report, Tim, tonight, I hate to say this, but it dropped down to number eight in, <laughs> on Amazon in the world in Middle Eastern literature. It has outsold the Koran for nearly four months. <laughs> Well, that's actually pretty impressive. Uh, I don't care who you are. Uh, and it's it's not surprising, though. I mean, one thing that you have been basically preaching your entire uh, public career is that an attitude of boldness and braveness is what is required. And as more of the uh, the spiritual side of you has been made more public, uh, you have taken this tack. I, and it really does stand up. It's something that needs to be heard today, and it's a shame. We have a lot of churches out there that it's a minor miracle if the Gospels even get their way in. Just this past week, uh, we saw a current sitting U.S. senator from the state of Georgia who was a pastor in a Baptist church claim to be a pastor for choice. Uh, uh, it, it's just mind-boggling. There's so little faith remaining in modern religion, which is why we need messages like this. And the fact that the book has continued to uh, to be so dominant in sales and to get so much attention, I think really speaks to that opening. It, it's not that dissimilar to when a television show that has a wholesome message manages to become a surprise hit. There is that hole that so many people instinctively feel is missing, and unfortunately our society today tells us that we have to to find something to fill it, and usually that has to be something to do with a sexual identity or some drug somewhere or something else that's absolutely horrible for you, when in honesty it is a personal walk of faith that's missing, and these times, for those Christians who feel put upon, for those Christians who are afraid to speak up, this is the message that they need. And you literally break it down. You go through uh, all the different Psalms. I mean, you specifically state chapter to chapter what they focus on and what you need to fight against. Everything from evil leaders to uh, people who 
uh, set traps for the righteous. And I love how you broke it down. Uh, Was that a matter of inspiration or did it just make sense after you got started to set it up? Because the form, it's easy to read and it drives the point home very, very well. Yes. So I got asked initially when the book launched and uh, I did an Eric Metaxas TV interview on his show and it just exploded. Everybody's like, so what inspired you to do this? You know, what was what was the afflatus? What was the impetus? It's like, well, I got I got the COVID Delta variant and I'm laying in bed and I'm sick and I'm feeling like a wuss because I'm laying in bed and sick from this bad cold. And that's all it is. And I got a buddy of mine, Patrick Byrne, who's a former uh, CEO and founder of Overstock.com, who got a got two PhDs while he was dealing with stage four cancer. <laughs> and so it's like, I need to write a book. And you know what? I need to write a book on dirty, hairy prayers. And that's what this book is all about. It's dusting off these maledictions, these curses for, you know, street verbiage and uh, praying against the enemies that uh, hate God, hate our country, hate the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence. Um, They don't give two liberty gibbets about the gospel. And instead of us thinking that this is the end of the world, maybe it's the end of their game. And what's funny, man, is that since I've released this book, not saying that it's this book that I wrote that did this, we see Chris Cuomo, he doesn't have a primetime show anymore. We see Andrew Cuomo, he's not governor of the state of New York anymore. We see CNN, and their ratings are in the tank. And and we're seeing Biden's administration and Kamala Harris, and nobody likes them. Everybody knows that the, the state, uh, the United States of America, is in a precipitous, uh, how can I put it, a state of declension. How's that? Sorry. And um, so God wakes everybody up real quick. The church is the eternal purpose of God. We need to understand the authority, the power, the moxie that we wield uh, in the heavenly realms. And look, at the end of the day, for everybody who thinks that this is the end of the world, it's like Satan's a created being. He was crushed by Christ in his first coming, not his second coming. Uh, he was divested of his power. He's still you know, running roughshod over the world, but Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We've got two-thirds of the angelic host that are at our behest, and they're badasses, believe me. And we need to understand the authority, uh, the power, and the weapons that have been given to us and wield them. And that's what this book, Psalms of War, is all about. So it's not, it's not kind of your sleepy, breezy, summer squeezy type devotional. This is a war manual. And I tell people in the introduction to the Psalms of War, prayers that literally kick ass, it's like, pray these things out loud. Brother, I'm telling you, I do it all the time. It's completely changed my prayer life. This is not now I lay me down to sleep type crap. This is God, smite your enemies. God, break their teeth. Lord, crush their influence. Turn them into snail slime. And that's how King David, who God said, He's a man after my heart. That's how he prayed. And brother Tim, if you if you can point to any pastor anywhere in the United States aside from me who prays these maledictions against the enemies of God, 
and the enemies of that which is holy, just, and good, the way that David prayed it, I'll eat a tube sock. <laughs> well, uh, you're safe on that one, Doug, because I can't. I can barely find a, a preacher that's willing to come out and say something uh, about the the wages of sin. I, I It's literally been at least four years since I've been into a regular church, church service and heard a preacher actually bring a fire and brimstone sermon just to try to wake Bro, you up. Don't, Tim, Tim, you don't hear anything about hell. You don't hear anything about repentance. You don't hear anything about the judgment seat. You don't hear anything about sacrifice. It's all, you know, Jesus is my Santa Christ, and he's going to fulfill my gimme list. Listen, folks, the war's on, and uh, especially for the heart and soul of this nation and uh, for the church. You look what the church did, Tim, during the whole COVID crap, and everybody's still playing pandemic, not in Texas, thank God. That's where I live. But everybody shut their church down. Everybody listened to their governor. Everybody was listening to their mayor. Can we can we assemble? Can we uh, do high fives? Can we do a fist bump? Can we sit next to each other? Can we do communion? Can we do worship? Do we have to wear a face mask? What kind of bull crap is that? You show me any place in the scripture where Jesus said, if there's a bad cold going around, you guys don't hug each other, don't do what Paul said, and I think it was four times his injunction in his various epistles to greet each other with a holy kiss. So all of a sudden now we're supposed to suspend our essential biblical activities because frickin' Mayor McCheese told us to do that. I think more pastors need to go to prison righteously. I mean, Rodney Howard Brown did it in Tampa. You got uh, Arthur Pulaski in Calgary. You got James Coates in Edmonton, Canada. They all went to jail. They were like, you know, go pound sand. We're not going to stop preaching the gospel. We're not going to stop assembly. We can uh, we can decide, you know, how we assemble. If grandmother has been eating chicken fried steak for 80 years, we're not going to put her around some, you know, booger dripping COVID kid that's 10 years old. We can do that. Believe it or not, we have common sense. But yeah. the churches are abysmal. I mean, it's it's full-on pathetic, Tim, how pastors – I think any pastor that shut down their church because uh, they were told to by a governor or a mayor, I think that they should publicly repent for being a big wussy to government authority. When Peter and John, when, when they were told, hey, you don't need to preach, and hey, you, you don't need to assemble anymore, they said, listen, we must obey God rather than men. And this is just terrible, man. And I think I, I, I'm so happy that a lot of churches shut down permanently because I think God's uh, clearing the table just like Jack Nicholson did in Five Easy Pieces. <laughs> I I can't agree with you more. Uh, it, it is shameful that you literally have a small handful of pastors, and you literally have to go into Canada too in order to get to that small handful that actually risked what the apostles did in order to bring the message and do what they have been instructed to do. Yeah, um, hello. And so so all the pastors around here, they're like, well, we're supposed to obey the government. You're supposed to obey the government when it praises what's good and it, when it punishes what's evil. When it punishes what's good and praises what's evil— i.e. our civil liberties and our rights to assemble the First Amendment, then you are beholden, according to the Scripture, to civil disobedience. 
Uh, it's a message that's just not out there except for uh, except for you, my friend. You you literally are one of the uh, two or three folks and the other few are associated with you that are bringing this message. But, you know, we well, they don't they don't want to lose their 501c3 and they don't want to get audited and they don't want to pay taxes on their you know property purchases or their hot dogs for the, you know, the the covered dish dinner. And to me, you're a puppet. You're not a prophet. John the Baptist would never do that. Jesus Christ would never do that. You got to be kidding me! I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of thing that they thought that they were getting into. And I'm speaking to pastors in particular. But you need to frickin' resign and sell used cars. Yeah. Uh, it would be much better suited for that. There's no doubt. It, it is shameful, and, and I, I'm honestly shocked to a degree. That uh, churches are able to put uh, any bring any uh, butts into the the pews these days because the people of faith are better served by staying home and studying themselves uh, than to go into some of these buildings. Uh, there was my grandfather was a pastor. He was a, an old school fire and brimstone uh, pastor, and one of the stories he liked telling when he would go preaching revivals is he would start talking about how. Uh, uh, he was talking to a fellow preacher, and uh, he had gotten invited to a certain church, and it was a, a fancy uh, big church. It, we didn't have mega churches uh, just yet then, but it was pretty much the equivalent to what a mega megachurch uh, uh, predecessor would be. And he said, uh, yeah, I got invited to go up there. And, uh, wow, how did you get invited to go up there? I've never been. And, and his response was, well, don't feel too bad. It's been quite a while since Jesus has been invited in up there, too. Uh, it, it is just shameful. Yeah, again, you know, um, my old mentor, Leonard Ravenhill, prophet of God, he said, if your message is repentance, you need to pledge your head to heaven. And um, so the message nowadays in the hipster churches with skinny jeans, you know, big screens and smoke machines, it's Oprah, it's Dr. Phil, it's therapeutic. It's not the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I wrote a book called If Masculinity is Toxic called Jesus Radioactive, and it freaking crushed it uh, two years ago. Yeah. That actually, I, I went, actually, that was I the last first. time that – I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk over you, but that's the last time we got together. Uh, that had just come out, and we were talking about that then. Yeah, I went verse by verse, you know, and I've, I've read Matthew a gazillion times and just uh, highlighting the overt masculine traits of Christ. And listen, he got killed because of his mouth. He hated religion. He hated hypocrisy. Uh, he hated people who were in it for the money, and he frickin' lambasted them. And he did it uh, in private. He did it in public. Anytime that lies, hype, and spin, you know, raised its garlic, garlicly knotted head, he blasted them, man. And um, that's the rebel from Galilee that we're all supposed to follow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, something else that really sets this one apart a little more from some of your earlier work, although it's all great, uh, is you included a lot of your artwork, a lot of your oil paintings. And, and there is something so raw and stark in your style of painting. Uh, it, it brings forth the definition of the pain and the suffering in some of uh, the pictures and then just the brutality and the reality of what we face but to not be afraid of. And yet there's also this vagueness in part of the shadows that allows for, yes, this is where darkness can creep in, but this is also where faith and strength can creep in, and it's kind of your choice to make. Uh, 
maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my interpretation, but I really do like the artwork, and I think it's a fantastic addition uh, to uh, to all the, 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 the psalms and the explanations and the breakdowns that you have in each section. Yeah, a lot of people don't know me as an artist, but, um, you know, I've ever since my mom and dad gave me a crayon at like three years old, I've been able to interpret whatever I see. And um, in regards to Christian artwork, Tim, oh my God, they make John the Baptist look like Kate Hudson and almost famous. And they make Jesus look like this forlorn, bearded woman walking around in a white pinoir, and all the disciples look like these just, you know, just sad little China dolls and stuff. These were rough, cussing fishermen. Uh, the narratives in in the Old Testament, uh, you got David cutting the head off Goliath, holding it up as a trophy, and you got these incredible biblical badasses. And I got just tired of seeing, you know, from an art historian standpoint, my minor was in art history, I just got tired of seeing them depicted, you know, again, as these, you know, these soft-focused, feminine hygiene commercial-type characters. It's like, no, these guys, I've, I've been a hunter, I've been a fisherman for many, many moons. And Jesus attracted some of the most rowdy people on the planet, and I know those guys. I mean, I've been around them, like I said, for 59 years, and they don't follow soft little messiahs. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the crew of the deadliest catch. And so when I depict them, uh, you know, I have a Warrington brain that's very imaginative. When I depict them, I depict them as, you know, dudes that I've known and been a part of. And so there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of guts, and uh, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of base in the traditional sense of the word, reality. And uh, I want art to smack the viewer. Like, I'm not trying to sell my art because it matches your carpet or your drapes. I want it to impact you. I want to punch you in the throat. I want it to make you, you know, not curl up in the fetal position and wet your big diaper. I want it to make you aspire, sacrifice, rise to the occasion. And um, lo and behold, man, it's, uh, it's found an incredible niche, and people are buying the crap out of it. Well, I'm not surprised. It's like I said, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and it is that difference than what we're getting. It's filling that void too, because there's. Well, just... I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking right now at a painting that I did. It's from the movie The Patriot. Mm-hmm. Did you see The Patriot? Yeah. Okay, so so this is the scene. I'm looking at it right now. It's the scene before uh, Reverend Oliver finally woke up and stop being politically correct, stop hiding behind his pulpit. But what it took, Tim, was they hung three people in front of his church. So the painting that I did, you've got three people elevated, hanging from trees in front of a church before he finally woke the hell up and decided sometimes we must cease to tend the, to tend the lambs and we must go after the wolves. And I think that's where the church is right now, you know. What what else does uh, these Marxists have to do? What else has to occur in the United States before the church finally wakes the hell up? Well, I, I think we just need a, a full uh, 
a full revival. Uh, we need a uh, revival on par with what we saw uh, when Billy Graham led that. I mean, such a a new reemergence. And uh, we've been seeing little signs here and there in pockets of people looking for that type of faith and finding it. But every time we make a little headway, at least it feels like to me, Doug, that, that that's when the left doubles down and tries to crush us. And we know the the leftists don't like people of faith. Uh if you're not worth but, but here's but here's here's where um you know we reign supreme not we because we're good and we're perfect and all this other stuff it's that they completely blow off god they they don't have the avenue of prayer they don't have the psalms of war and so the church instead of cowering in the corner wondering what big government's going to do it's like listen christ said in matthew 16 that he's given you the keys to the kingdom so bind, so loose, so release these prayers, these psalms of war, these songs against the enemy, and watch God topple kingdoms. Like in Psalm chapter 2, uh, the first psalm that I uh, uh, introduce in the book, Psalms of War, Prayers That Literally Kick Ass. So you got you got these kings, you got these prefects, you got these presidents in, in our context that are saying, let's dispense with him, let's get rid of God, let's get rid of righteous moorings. And, uh, David said, God laughs at him, then he scoffs at him, and then he takes a rod of a rod of iron and he smashes them. It's like, why don't you start preaching that? Why don't you start praying that instead of chewing your fingernails down to the cud and sweating what's going on? God's not sweating these morons. He's laughing at him. He's scoffing at him. And then he says, I'll smash him, and then I'll install my king in Zion. And that's Christ, man. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how to follow that up, Doug. I, I think that's exactly the, <laughs> the message that needs to be heard, undoubtedly. But, yeah, we just circle back around to my earlier statement about how shameful a lot of these churches are. Uh, they're being led in ways that just they're not very Christian. Uh, the gospel's not being preached. and it's, it's lame, brother. It's so lame. It's so despicable. Yeah. I mean, the churches that have opened up, Tim, they're like, ah, we're not going to mention that we just shut down and we're big wussies. Ah, we're not going to mention, you know, our borders are more porous than Rosie O'Donnell's pantyhose when she tries to high-step a, a high fence. Uh, we're not going to mention that our economy's dilapidated. Ah, uh, we don't want to offend anybody. It's like, listen, man, all bets are off. It's time to push hard uh, for the message in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. People can read it. It's not airy-fairy. It's not pixie dust and candy canes. It's repent. It's turn or burn. And then we got to uh, raise up the next generation that are fueled on the biblical worldview and why that makes sense juxtaposed against the Marxist-Leninist and the secular humanist worldview. And I'll throw uh, the Islamic worldview on top of that. All right. Well, we are quickly running out of time, and it's it's always surprising to me when the conversation is good. It goes by so quickly, and this one has just flown by, Doug. I, I have certainly missed our opportunities to get together. It's been far too long. We'll have to do it a little more frequently in the future. Uh, before we uh, part company, though, uh, it, I would love for you to, uh, first of all, 
share any final message about the book uh, that you would like to uh, give a quick update on how things are going over at clashdaily.com and with the podcast warriors and wild men because uh, i gotta tell you i love the podcast too i haven't been listening uh, enough recently it's been a little bit since i've checked in but uh, there for a while uh, i was loyal and i've just <laughs> as always when uh, you've got things going on time has a way of sneaking away from you and you just gotta you got to make time for it. Uh, but uh, a quick updates, and then uh, after all that, uh, please, one more time, share all your contact information that you want out there. Uh, feel free to invite folks to follow you on the social media where you're still active. And, uh, you know, the websites where they can find your work, all that good stuff. Yeah, so fakes, uh, Facebook banned me for life. That happened three years ago. So I'm not on Facebook. And everybody who complains, like, oh, I got put in Facebook jail for seven days or for 30 days, like, keep trying harder, man. They banned us for life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't even get on there anymore. They got my IP, and just, oof, you know, it's just completely gone. So anyway, people try harder, and uh, social media is poison. <clears throat> but anyway, um, uh, Clash Daily is doing great, uh, despite Zuckerberg and Google and all the other evil intenders uh 270 million page views gotta be kidding me man and um crushing it over at dougjiles.org you can find my podcast over there binge listen and you can check out my art and all the books are over there as well and i'm happy clappy man uh diver down damn the torpedoes and onward through the fog all right. Well, uh, let me steal your uh, line. You usually shoot at me as we uh, uh, you close things out here. Stay rowdy, my friend. Uh, absolutely. Always. Uh, Always. Give, Always, Jim. Stay rowdy. Give my best to uh, the family and just everybody that's working with you because you guys are doing a fantastic job. And once again, thank you so much for spending uh, part of this evening with me I, and the listeners. We appreciate it. Amen, buddy. Same to you. Stay defiant. Stay rowdy. I will do my best, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Doug Giles. Uh, don't know what else to tell you other than the fact that uh, the man is hes a, a legend at this point. He is legendary and he is phenomenal. I am proud just to be able to get to speak to him, quite honestly. I really am. And I'm also proud to be able to say that over at ClashDaily.com, uh, if you look far enough back in the archives, you can still find one or two pieces uh, that were authored by me. So I get to claim that I'm a contributor over there, even though it's been a little too long since I've had anything show up. Um, what else can you say? Doug Jobs. Go check out the book. Uh, check the uh, show description later as well, because I'm going to have links uh, to take you to the book over at Amazon. Uh, but I would much prefer you actually... Go ahead and follow the link that he gave you because that means more of that uh, profitability is going back into the cause as opposed to giving uh, Amazon a little piece of it. All right, and, uh, you know, I guess it's time for us to take a break. So that's what we'll do right now. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Oh, and that was the conclusion of the interview. Uh, so uh, what do you say we take that mid-hour break just a smidge late? You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth.
The Biden administration paper tiger regime continues to show utter weakness and our international enemies are licking their chops and the world is unraveling. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Since the Biden regime was installed, the international stature of the United States has declined precipitously to an all-time low. Ever since Biden demonstrated his willingness to put the United States at a strategic disadvantage, enemies from South America, North Korea, China, and beyond have had a field day with the permission of Joe Biden and his handlers. Putin got his pipeline. China is planning to take Taiwan after the Olympics. The terrorists own $86 billion worth of U.S. military hardware and are murdering Americans and Christians left behind in Afghanistan. The globalists and Biden are sniping at Putin and are not telling you the full story as to why he is upset. Putin is not a globalist, and the Ukraine is a crooked nation that engaged in financial arrangements with Biden and his son. Biden is trying to convince you that Putin is the big Hebrew problem while ignoring the real threat that China poses to the entire world. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. It's not this simpler. Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. Anything to report? Uh, successful dump. I dropped everything at the dump. It all worked out. And by the way, I got a second load. Guys coming. Anybody wants to help me unload? My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. My mother and father believed. Look, John's last minute economic plan does nothing to tackle the number one job facing the middle class. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three-letter word, jobs. J-O-B-S, jobs. Joe, you want to administer the oath? Am I doing this again? For the senior senior staff. staff. All right. A number of the cabinet members have already... My memory is not as good as Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts. Does, does anyone have the... No, I... And thank you, uh, Dr. Pepper, and thank you, Chancellor, or Dr. Paper, and thank you, Chancellor. But the Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in, uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's... Wait, your mom's still... Your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. I gotta get this straight. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, Let's go, It's a dream. We all play a part. Well, 
Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for staying with me through that very brief break. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Doug Giles. He is truly not only a warrior, but also a wild man, and I can't help but have a blast every time I get to talk with him. Uh, and passionate, and a pastor to boot now, and he, uh, you know, he means what he says, and every single thing that he has written uh, is worth your time. I will tell you that much. Uh, some people may say, oh, occasionally that's just, oh, that's a gimmick, or, or that's just oversimplified, but it's still worth your time. Uh, even if you have to borrow a book from somebody, man, uh, check out Doug Giles' work. It is real worth it. Check out DougGiles.org and, of course, uh, follow the links in the show description as well to check out his stuff. Meanwhile, there's a couple of things that I uh, want to mention. I just did the Let's Go Brandon bit uh, going into this because I wanted to do a quick hit to ask you, have you heard Kid Rock's new song? Uh, we the People. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a few more F-bombs than I would like, but it's stark, it's direct, and it's to the point. Uh, so, if you're a fan of Kid Rock, and a fan of freedom in this country, uh, if you haven't heard it yet, you're missing out. If you're not a fan of Kid Rock, but you don't mind a few F-bombs, but you do still like freedom, also, it might be worthwhile to go check it out. That's Kid Rock, We the People. Subtitled, Let's Go Brandon. All right, here's another major story <clears throat> that has not been getting very much in the way of airtime. So let's take a look at it. The National Institute of Health, yes, the organization that Dr. Anthony Fauci oversees, they spent $8 million on a Columbia University research study that essentially reached out to minors, asking children, people under 18, to submit information about their homosexual activities, including whether they participated in condomless anal sex. Now, does that sound like something that we need to be spending any money on? Oh, let's look a little deeper, shall we? Now, according to a report from the Washington Free Beacons, Patrick Hulf, quote, My Peeps Mobile an app developed by Columbia University researchers offered up to $275 for boys between the age of 13 and 18 to document their sexual behaviors. The NIH spent more than $300,000 to develop the app back in 2012 and 2013 and $7.9 million since 2016 for Columbia researchers to study the data that it collected, at least according to a government spending database. The app for young men who have sex with men provides interactive games and activities designed to teach participating teenagers how to minimize risk in their sex lives, according to the research grant and resulting study. Now, according to one of the program studies, teenage participants in the pilot trial were recruited to use the app in six different cities and traveled to attend interventions to discuss the sex education program, all without parental permission. See, it's bad enough we're wasting taxpayer dollars, right? Now, we're recruiting these people to talk about their uh, supposed homosexual sex lives and to travel to an intervention 
all without letting the parents know exactly what it is that's going on. Now, Dr. Rebecca Schnell, the My Peeps Project leader, secured a parental permission waiver because the study posed, quote, minimal risk to its subjects, according to the outlet. So, secured a parental permission waiver, meaning that she got the government to sign off on saying that we don't need permission from the parents because the study posed minimal risk. Wonder if anybody remembers generally how sexual diseases are spread. Anyway, quoting here, if parental permission were sought, then our study participants may not be willing to participate in the study because they will fear their parents' knowledge of their sexuality and sexual activities. This is literally what this so-called scientist said to the Washington Free Beacon, also noting that the Columbia University's review board approved the waiver. Now, the study's not the first from Columbia University that focused on LGBTQ plus ampersand back slash smiley emoji, eggplant emoji, carrot emoji. Uh, no, no, it is not the first to cover these folks. And uh, it is certainly not the first to focus on the activity among minors that fall into this group, at least according to the Washington Free Beacon. Uh, they first reported that the NIH gave $432,000 to Columbia back in 2015 to study how dating apps impact risky sexual behavior for gay men. Other studies included HIV risk of cannabis use among black gay men in Chicago and alcohol-involved sexual assault among bisexual women. Um, not sure that these are things that really require a great deal of study, seeing as how a majority of these things fall into the criminal activities department. And if anybody's studying this, it should be law enforcement, not Columbia University. But hey, the quest for knowledge, right? Uh, who am I to squash the quest for knowledge? So... LGBTQ ideologues often appear to encourage young people to adopt their assumptions. Uh, a reality recently noted uh, by commentator Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire when he made an appearance on Dr. Phil. Uh, during one of the segments, an activist asked Matt Walsh, Why do you care so much? Because it's really not that big of a deal. So Walsh, in a very Walsh manner, said that he cares about children. And these insane ideas about gender are being uh, foisted on kids, and uh, that bothers him quite a bit. Now, Walsh recently launched a book, and if you haven't seen it yet, it's well worth checking out, the book Johnny the Walrus. Now, in this book, he challenges the issue of LGBTQ ideology being forced upon children by adults in their lives. The book features a boy named Johnny, who envisions himself as many things, including a walrus. His progressive mother is then pressured by her friends on social media to treat and transition her son to live out his true identity as a walrus. Okay, so there are dozens of children's books brainwashing kids into the gender identity cult 
where they're taught that identity is malleable and biology is meaningless. This book is meant to be an antidote to that madness. That's Walsh's statement and his announcement about the book, uh, a fun book, a role worth talking about, but I don't want to spend much time helping to sell Matt Walsh's book. Now, I'm not against it. By all means, if you haven't been exposed to it, uh, go check it out. And if you know somebody that will benefit from it, go get a copy. Uh, I, I'm not trying to discourage you either. I want to get back to the point of the fact that millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars went to a Columbia University study where they essentially built an app and then pushed young people into this notion that they should be engaging in homosexual sex, that they should be participating in this uh, research study, and uh, should then be, I don't know, uh, forever indoctrinated into the life of uh, homosexual sex? I mean, what is the point here? Do we not already know what the general risks are? Do we not already know that the younger you are, the more likely you are to engage in unsafe sexual practices? What exactly is the information, the data points that you're hoping to gather here? And most importantly, why are you doing this with taxpayer dollars and without parental consent? There was some travel involved with one of these aspects to go into this, quote, intervention, right? How do you get to do that without parental consent? How do you get to do anything with minors without parental consent? It's just like the story from back in the first hour when we had the uh, president of the second largest teachers union in the country talking about how racists are showing up at all the school board meetings. They disdain the American public and they disdain the American parent now because how dare you parents believe that you still have a right to be involved with the upbringing of your child. How dare you as a parent believe that you have the innate ability and the God-given right to instill upon your children the values that you yourself have. How dare you? It's absurd. You, you bigoted, uncouth, unwashed masses out there. How dare you think that now was the time you should stand up and be a parent for crying out loud. These professionals are trying to take care of it for you. Sit back and let them. Except, of course, we see how they take care of our children, don't we? This is, this is absurd. And again, the organization that Tony Fauci, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Dr. Anthony Fauci, second greatest doctor of all time, just behind Dr. Bill John, uh, <laughs> Dr. Jill Biden. He's heading up this group. Chances are his signature's on some approval somewhere involving the money sent to these folks. I mean, you, you have to sign off on this, right? If you're the, the head of the organization, you don't give out millions of dollars without knowing about what's happening, Right? I, I, I would suppose. Has anybody asked Dr. Fauci about this yet? I, I really, really would like to know. I haven't heard anybody ask Dr. Fauci about it yet. I would much rather hear Dr. Fauci answer questions about this than to hear him utter one more word about COVID-19. I really would. I think a lot of us would. Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize. Feel free to let me know.
I just, I just don't understand. Why are we, the American public, continuing to allow these people to hold the positions they have? I mean, there was a time in this country where as soon as information like this came out, people would be resigning and stepping down. There was a time in American politics where the appearance of impropriety would be enough to get people to say, all right, I'm going to step aside because the scandal should not overshadow the work that needs to be done. Now that time's long past. I lament those days. I do. And I know I'm just repeating myself when I continue to bring them up. I know that you guys get tired of hearing me say it. But I have to repeat myself on these issues. I have to. I have to get it off my chest because it matters to me. Much like Matt Walsh said in his statement, I care about kids. They don't have to be my kid for me to care about them. I care about kids. I don't want them being abused by this system that somehow is trying to design social engineering to a point where they're trying to end procreation, where they're trying to destroy our culture any way they can, including the lack of the continuation of a population that allows the nation to continue. And I promise I'm not going to continue to use the word continue in such a continuous fashion. I'm going to stop it right now. I hate when I get overly redundant. I know it can't be good for you guys. I, I apologize. So here we are. Millions of taxpayer dollars with no concern about the feelings of the parents of the children involved. And they are children. Again, children. 15 to 18. Children. Legally recognized as minors. The minute you turned 18, the minute you become legally an adult, you are no longer part of the study. They use money to build the app. They use money to continue to fund the app. They use money to uh, pay the people that coalesce the data. And they paid money to recruit these kids. I mean, the, the fun part is maybe that some of the folks that signed up for it was completely lying and making stuff up just to get some free money. Wouldn't that be great? Except that's still taxpayer money. It doesn't belong to the government. One more time for the folks in the back that don't understand how the economic system works. Our government has exactly zero dollars of its own. Exactly zero. It has not a single penny it does not take from one of us. Period. So it's wasting our dollars. And they continue to raise our taxes on the regular so they can continue to waste uh, millions and billions and trillions of dollars every single year. And here's another great example of it where what they ended up doing is actually criminal on two parts. It's criminal because it does move into the range of engaging in child abuse and it's also criminal on the part of putting a wedge between children and their parents. Uh, even if it's not technically illegal in some of the places they've done it, it doesn't mean it shouldn't be. It is still criminal to get involved in such a fashion. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to have to be where I leave things at today. So again, thank you very much for listening. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, you guys, uh, stay safe out there if you can. Stay healthy at all costs, and, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. Be back soon.